Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. We're back, and it's for a new episode. Another week in Scandinavia, and a lot more entertainment has been had. Uh, I'm joined, as ever, by my colleague and co-host, Steve Wiss. How are you doing, Steve? J-Dog, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing I'm absolutely fine, thank you, my friend. I'm uh, keeping pretty well, and uh, I hope uh, things are good your end. You certainly sound peaky, peaky there, uh, which is good to hear. And yeah, for everyone who's um, listening, welcome. We're going to be talking about Norway in this first half of the show. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to be featuring the best young talents in Norway and talking about some players who may be attractive to clubs in the coming window, uh, the transfer window. We're going to be talking about uh, Buda Glimt. We're going to be talking about some European ties. And then we will also move on to Sweden and some big developments there. The transfer window in Sweden is just about shut, more or less, and there's been a lot of recruitments. So we'll have a little quick dip into those as well, and we'll also answer some listener questions. So strap yourself in, and welcome to the show. Steve, we're going to get right into it with a little bit of Norway talk to begin with. Now, first place, I think, to start, really, is the European results, because there's been some big results in Europe, hasn't there, in Norway, and and... and we're heading sort of the qualifiers. I know the Champions League has only just ended, but um, the new season's already begun and we're in the middle of qualifiers at the moment. And that's a big time of the year for Scandinavian teams. Uh, and there's been some big results in games involving Norway, hasn't there? It has. And, um, you know, first of all, uh, let's just say the Champions League, Molde have uh, won two matches. Um, they had a 5 0 home victory against, I actually forget who it was called, but it was someone quite poor. And then they came from behind to beat uh, the Slovenian side, uh, Chelja. I don't know even know how you pronounce it, to be honest. But they, um, so they've got through two rounds there and they've got to go to Karabag in the next uh, Champions League qualifying uh, round, just a one leg tie in Azerbaijan. And actually, it, um, it looks, it's a tough game. It's a very long way to go, isn't it? It's uh, Azerbaijan. But I think it could have been worse. They could have got like Dinamo Zagreb. Young boys burn, and someone else. I think it was it was quite good. So in terms, of, it wasn't the worst draw in terms of actually the football team on paper. So who knows? In a one-off match, it's a shame they didn't get it at home. But um, yeah, well done to them. And then also in the Europe in the Europa League, um, Rosenborg and the Buda Glimt uh, both made it through. Viking already um, uh, already at the stage, and some interesting. Uh, uh, matchups have come up for the next round. So at the minute, we've got a full contingent of Norwegian teams in the hat, and I think it's pretty similar in uh, in Sweden. Apart from Jorgården, obviously, are out of the Champions League, but they're still in Europa League. Yeah, Jorgården uh, crashed out to Fernand uh, Varos, I believe, who then went on to beat Celtic away. <laughs> incredible result, and um, one I'm sure you're very happy with. Um, so yeah, a quick look at the draw, and the, you know, you put out a tweet at Nordic Footpod as well, which was uh, analysed it all from for pretty much every team in the Nordic regions. So uh, we've got Cups against uh, Bratislava, Eurogarden against the Europa, who I believe are from Malta, uh, Flora against KR, Hammerby against Lech Poznan, the Pol the Polish side that will be a big game, um, B36 against TNS from Wales. Um, EF Core against FC Copenhagen. Now, that is probably the tie of the round as far as Scandinavian point of view. I mean, it's a Royal League classic. It's Gothenburg against Copenhagen. It's a real shame when I saw that draw, I, you know, I was licking my lips. 
and then realize obviously there'll be no fans allowed which is a, a massive shame because that would be a, a huge game wouldn't it steve um viking against aberdeen a big game for them against the scottish uh, premiership team vents bills against rosenborg from the latvian side buda glimt will play zargiris now buda glimt could have got tottenham hotspur or ac milan but they've got uh, zargiris so they may fancy the chances there maybe to progress and then the hungarian outfit honved against malmo ff so some big ties there um any of them grab you there steve that you'll be tuning in for maybe yeah def i'm viking aberdeen definitely catches my eye and i'm hoping that uh i'll be able to get um i, I do know a few aberdeen uh fans actually scottish football experts we maybe even get a, one of them as a guest on this podcast ahead of those games uh but honved malmo is interesting you can't underestimate these uh hungarian teams can you look at fair and Javaros. and fair play to them they uh they beat your garden and then they've gone to celtic and won i mean uh sign me up where do i get their shirt um <laughs> but I, I mean b36 is still in the hat they could they beat the new saints i mean that massive game ifk against copenhagen is is, is, is a cracker as well I and mean, it's some interesting ties i mean you know there's the likes of rosenborg buddha going to be very happy with their draw, Jorgart and facing aside from Gibraltar. I mean, it couldn't get much easier, could it? So um, it's it's good stuff. And um, it's a bit all a bit of a, it's a bit crazy, isn't it? All this Europa qualifying right now. It's like one match and stuff. In, in many ways, it feels like a bit of a lottery. But at the same time, it's a great opportunity for some sides, isn't it? You only have to turn out for one match, you know, rather than the two legs. Yeah, 100%. And, um, Ties we played on the 17th of uh, September, um, so a few weeks till then. But, uh, yeah, some really big games. I mean, I think from my point of view, Jurgen have got a big big opportunity there against Europa, actually from Gibraltar. And, um, yeah, there's there's some tasty ties all around. I mean, Shamrock Rovers away from, obviously, uh, the Nordic region, but Shamrock Rovers against AC Milan is a huge game. <laughs> That's there. ridiculous, isn't it? I mean... There's some really tasty ties there. And I think maybe that one, the one-legged um, element to it, probably does make them more even more balanced you know imagine if shamrock rovers could beat ac milan what a shame it would be you know behind closed doors but you know in, in the context of uh, it, any of these do you know if any of these matches can have any fans at all or you rate your rules like nothing no i don't think fans are allowed at this moment in time uh, you know um but uh the the point of that then it means that obviously if it was a two-legged tie shamrock against ac milan you, you'd probably say they've got no chance but one-legged tie in an empty stadium you just never know although Zlatan Ibrahimovic may have something to say about that. But yeah, some really, really good looking ties. I think EF Core FC Copenhagen is going to be fantastic. So that's the one I've definitely got my eye on. But uh, yeah, a few weeks till then. So we will be talking about them and breaking it down. And we may even get one or two guests on. Um, Steve, do you think Viking could, could knock out Aberdeen just quickly? Definitely, because Viking are just starting to show a bit more form recently. And uh, I said all season, they're kind of below... They're the, the lowest possible position it could be. They've just a lot of things have gone against them, a lot of 50 50 matches. They just beat Mulder in the league, and we'll talk, talk about that soon. But they've got the attacking firepower to, to get them through against Aberdeen. I don't know an awful lot about Aberdeen, to be honest, right now. I think they're effectively the third best side in the SPL. But, I mean, how strong is the SPL right now? That's my question. You know, I mean, Celtic obviously getting knocked out. Uh, I know Rangers had a decent run in Europe, so I think it can be very hit and miss what these Scottish sides are like. So I need I need to know more about it. But I think from I've looked around Twitter, a lot of the different opinions, the general consensus is 50-50 game in in Stavania there. 
uh, it could go either way. Yes, certainly one to tune in for. And um, moving on to teams in Norway, there's been a big managerial change, hasn't there? That's one of the next places to go to, and that's uh, over at Arlesund. Yeah, I mean, this has to be touched on. I mean, this happened um, a week or so ago. Uh, Arlesund finally have uh, run out of patience with a large behemoth, and they acted very quickly by hiring a large Anna Nielsen, who was sacked by Bran not so long ago. And um, but this is an interesting case for me because Lars Behin, I've defended him quite a lot on this podcast, and I still do defend him to a degree because he's he got Arlesund into this league. He's got a fantastic record in the Obos of the game uh, and stuff. And he's played it his way. Now, results haven't been good enough. Um, I think he'd be the first to admit that um, in this formation. The formation 3-5-2 or whatever you want to call it. Um, an adaptation, a back three anyway. It just hasn't worked. They haven't kept a clean sheet all year. Um, but part of me is feeling like, should they have stayed loyal to Large Bohemian because he got them in this position? Think of it as a long-term project. You know, even if they got relegated, he's got the acumen in the Obos again to bring them straight back again, hasn't he? But do you know what this tells me, Jonathan? It tells me all us under a serious outfit that they don't want to have this sort of, they don't want to be this yo-yo club. They want to become an established elite Assyrian club now and they, they're not giving up on the season. So it, it shows to me that they're quite ruthless ruthless, and, um, you know, Lajan Nilsson's a big name and he's going to change probably the whole type of football that, that, that they they're going to have compared to the last behind and so uh i mean in fair play to them um they've they've made that decision now that they're still giving themselves a chance to survive it's a big ask um but uh, clearly a club with more ambitions than i probably gave them credit for to be honest with you so uh, that, that really was the interesting part for me yeah and allison bottom of the league smack bang at the bottom with one win from 16 games uh seven points behind Mjondalins, who were second bottom and a good sort of uh, nine points away from safety. I mean, what do you know about this new manager that can maybe encourage fans to think they could get out of it? Well, he, they've just lost against Start, which wasn't ideal. That was a match between the bottom two. But, you know, Lazar Nielsen's only had um, roughly uh, five days to, to get to know the squad. Now he's got a two-week international break. Um, talked about him before. He's a good tactical manager. He, he will improve the defence of Allison, no doubt about it. Whether that's by coaching the players that are already there, whether he dips into the transfer market, he will. I think he moved to. He's played in a four-three-three formation on uh, on Sunday against Start. So immediately that back three's gone. Like that back five's out the window. Standard flat back four, which I think will simplify things at the club. But uh, Allison, he'll be working on trying to keep a clean sheet somewhere. You know, get the one nils in there. You know, two nils, keeping it a bit tighter. Um, so um, I expect a lot more improvement defensively. I think on the offensive point of view, they're going to have to find a different sort of identity as well. That's his problem, Lazana Nielsen. Um, but it's not. It's, it's about being effective now. I mean, I'm certainly not writing them off because the sides down there, Sandefjord start and Mjøndalen said it at the start of the season though those three teams have the worst uh, squads on paper in the league Olsen probably have a better squad than all three of them so the talent's there if they can, as long as they keep talent like Fred Johnson and Castro there's still the opportunity for Lazar and Nielsen it's a massive two weeks for him he could have done without having that start game to be honest his first match it might as well have been against Buda Glimt or someone because I don't think they're ever going to really win that first match didn't have long enough 
to, to, to know for his impact there. So it's a shame for him that fixture came when it did. But they won't give up 14 games and just two or three wins and you're back in the hunt, aren't you? If they can finish 14th and do the two-legged playoff game, then, hey, they're, they're in with a chance. Great stuff. And moving on to Buda Glimt. Still flying, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they're even kind of surprising me now because uh, the thing with all great teams in no matter what league around the world, Jonathan, I mean, you know this from experience. Um, at some point, there's always that sticky spell, isn't they, for, for anyone? Um, you know, even look at Liverpool last season, the Premier League, they they go unbeaten and then they lose to Watford, who, who got relegated. Um, but Buda Glimt uh, have won 14 out of 16 games. This doesn't seem to be any sign of that slump. And do you know what? It kind of hit me at the weekend that there are not going to be many games now where they get outplayed in. And it reminds me very similar to, I mean, you know, I'm a Leeds fan. And the last two years under Marcelo Bielsa, I can probably count on one hand the amount of times where Leeds were legitimately outplayed in terms of game flow, pattern, stuff like that. You know what I mean. Yes, there was plenty of times we actually dropped points, but you couldn't actually say many teams outplayed us. I think Buda Glimt are literally at that level in Norway now. They, um, they are so dominant in their matches that it's going to take the opposition uh, basically getting a lot of luck, uh, taking their chances and just hoping Buda Glimt have a bad, bad day uh, themselves. That's what it's going to take for them to actually lose a game of football, I think, because I don't see anyone else in this league at this point in time legitimately outplaying them, apart from perhaps Mulder, if Mulder are at full strength and, and, and on form on the day. No one else is going to get close to them in terms of that. So that's they've done incredible to get to this level. And um, there will be a bad result somewhere. It just has to happen. But it may be uh, at a time where they've already won the league or it's just too late. Um, I just, they're 10 points clear. They've got a game in hand. If they blow it from here, it doesn't look like they're going to blow it from here. Yeah, I mean, they haven't lost a game yet this season. I mean, yeah. could they even go unbeaten? Could they go a whole season unbeaten? And is there they any precedent for that in recent years? They could. I mean, I think Rosenborg only lost one game in, in one of the title seasons recently or maybe two i mean it's possible like i said they're not no one's going to outplay them jonathan but i know from footballing experience something there's always a game or two isn't there where just nothing goes right and they don't score a goal like the opposition keeper has an amazing day or something along those lines like every chance that their opposition have they take that will come along somewhere and of course it's going to get colder in the winter can they do it on a grass pitch away from home in november December. I mean, I don't even know what their fixtures are, but uh, there will be some difficult games for them. Um, so to go and beat is asking a lot. It's feasible though, because like I said, they're so they're so much better than anyone else at the minute. They've, they've, they've built a credible squad, um, which will probably be decimated at some point. Um, you know, teams are going to come knocking on doors to Buda Glimt, uh, probably end of the season or whatever. But um, yeah, there's a chance they could be on. I don't think it will happen. Like I said, there's a law of averages say something will go wrong eventually, but um, hell of a side that uh, I mean, it's, it's a crazily good football team. Yeah, and just to put into context how much better they are than everyone else, they're the best in the league for goals scored, they're the best in the league for expected goals, they're the best in the league for expected goals against, fewest goals expected against them, they're the best in the league for the shots, uh, 265 shots total, next is 243, which is Mulder. They're the best in the league 
for 1v1 dribbling, 554 successful dribbles to the second best, 491, which is Rosenborg. They're the best in the league for touches in the penalty area, 487. The next best is 431. I mean, this is a team who is the best in the league pretty much in every metric you want to well, go. Well, not best in the league. I think that's what you got to ask the question of. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I watched the game, Sarsborg against uh, Budaglimt at the weekend. Budaglimt won it 3-0. And Sarsborg have actually played them pretty hard twice, I think. They give they only lost 2-1 in the reverse fixture. And the 3-0 at home, I know it sounds bad, but that's actually quite good compared to most teams. Um and what the way Sarsberg are doing, Mickey Stara um, basically um, just tried to frustrate them by keeping a, a line quite deep, looking to counter-attack. Um, they weren't far off, you know. Nil-nil, um, they actually had a couple of chances on the break, and if they'd scored that, the chances there, who knows? The goalkeeper, the Budiglum keeper, um, who is actually the backup, because uh, Smith has been injured. He came on the bench at the weekend, but uh, Nikita Kaikin, uh, who I mean, I don't think he's that good, really. And but he had a really good game on um, on Sunday. Probably never have such a good game again. But he made some big saves at crucial time. And uh, but Sarsborg, good, give him credit. They they had a good tactical game plan. I've talked about before how teams should play against Budaglimt, and they weren't far off how I think they should happen. But just end of the day, if if a good side has a plays well, there's nothing which you can do about it, Jonathan. And, and that's what happened. They are the best team in the league by by some distance. And uh, yeah, you only have to look at the table really to to see that. So let's move on. Buda Glimp looking very, very good. And we've talked about them quite a lot this season. Um, the transfer window is coming. Uh, we've already had it in, in, in Sweden, which we'll talk about in part two. We'll talk about some of the signings. But in Norway, the window is about to open. It's a bit of a later window in Norway this year. And there's been a really good blog uh, by... Eurosport, in fact, a guy called Joachim Jonsson, uh, which we're going to sort of touch on now, Steve, because I think one of the talking points this season, really, and in general, is the rise of, you know, Norwegian talents and talents in Elite Serie and in general. I mean, there's been a lot of conversation. I've seen a lot of Twitter threads and, you know, there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, in recent times. This, Particularly, I think, this season or in the last year or so, maybe since the emergence of Erling Braut Haaland and to a lesser extent, hack on Evian. There's been a real focus uh, on Norway, hasn't there? Um, I've noticed it from people I speak to in the game who have told me they've started to scout the region. I think as a podcast, we probably noticed it a little bit with the you know numbers are sort of swelling in terms of followers, aren't they, a little bit? Um, so we're going to dedicate a little bit of time now in this section to looking at some of the hot talents in the league. You know, the Nordic Football Podcast, we've been going for three years now. You'd like to think that we were sort of early, uh, early movers in this market, weren't we, Steve? We we saw that we saw the talent maybe before many others did. Um, so I'm interested to get your views now, while it's such a hot topic uh, in football at the moment in terms of Norway. What's before we before we move on to talking about individual talents? What's your general just overall perspective on the rise of sort of Norwegian talents and and Elitarian talents in general? In in recent years, yeah, it's really interesting because I think. Uh, Probably two or three years ago, when we first started this podcast up, I think I was fairly negative, wasn't I, if you remember correctly, um, about the, there's a lack of talent in the league these days. Um, but I think we've uh, things have just changed a bit. The likes of uh, Odegaard Holland. Um, I, I can't put my finger on exactly why the more talent has been coming through suddenly. Uh, um, 
in this sort of window uh, like you call it like golden generation potentially this could become for norwegian uh, players and, and, and clubs but it's look but I, I followed this league for you know nearly two decades now and there's um there's always back in the day used to be uh, good young talents coming through because the league standard was quite good and i think just gradually sort of last 12 to 18 months the elite serine has improved in quality again um it's still not at the levels would ideally like it at, but it's become a decent sort of footing place for players to come not necessarily norwegian players themselves but from other nationalities as well um obviously it's helped the rise of buddha glimpse in the last sort of 18 months that's, that's a big part of it as well but uh, it's an encouraging um period for, for for both norwegian players norwegian football again it feels like it's on the rise feels like Scandinavia is more in the limelight again. Um, sometimes it just takes that one player, doesn't it? like Bra Haaland, in a weird sort of way. It kind of raises everyone else's games, if you know what I mean. It gives them the motivation, the, the belief that maybe, uh, hey, we can make something of our careers as well at a big level. And uh, I think that was a, obviously, he, he's a big reason why there's a lot more, um, let's say, the limelight's on there. But it's an encouraging thing. The trends are on the up and uh, there is uh, there's plenty of hot talent there, mate. Yeah, and of course, you know, one of the main places to start, and if we look at individual talents, um, we've done a Y Scout blog, obviously, early in the season, I think it was April or May, which you've identified sort of four or five players. Uh, some of them are touched upon in this blog by by Eurosport. Um, what I'm going to do in this section is just run through a few names and, and you know, people who are listening, maybe they can they can sort of give their opinion on these players as well. But uh, we're going to ask the expert, obviously, Meat Man Soccer, and, and run through some players who may be on the radar of bigger clubs um, this summer uh, or even potentially, you know, going forward in the remainder of the season. But um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through some names. I'm gonna, so what, how we're going to do this section is I'm going to throw some names at you, Steve. I want you to tell me about them, their playing style, you know, your general thoughts on them, maybe their, their, their value, market value, that kind of thing. And if you think they'll leave or not. So first person to start with, pretty obvious, you know, you've written a blog about him yourself on Scout. Jens Petter Hauger. I want you to just introduce him to maybe people who don't know about him. What are his skills and what's his general overview? Yeah, obviously a big name. Um, uh, always touted as a wonder kid right from uh, when he, I think he made his league debut for Budaglint when he was 16 years old. And he kind of, um, obviously he went off the rails, but there was like a season and a half where he uh, he didn't live up to expectations. Uh, I think there was a little few uh injury niggles during that period as well which might explain it but like in the last certainly 12 months he's just burst on the scene again and he operates on the left hand side he's a winger left hand side often as an inside forward and he's just so good with the ball at his feet you know he's great one-on-one -on -one dribbling things like that his finishing is dramatically improved his decision making is dramatically improved he's got the x factor about him he's got the balance um the, the, say that the physical abilities are now and uh, you know he's he seems to be to have grown to, a, to such a high level he was going to be uh, transferred to Belgium I think circle brews were going to get him but uh, the you know the the coronavirus uh, outbreak I think settled things down and I think he realized his team realized um, that they can probably do better than Bruges eventually if it's wait a bit longer the, the club itself, Buda Glimp, can do better um, if they wait longer. And um, he, he said that he's going to stay at the club till the end of the season. And that was from the horse's mouth uh, himself. So I think it would take something dramatic to 
to prize him away from there before um, December. I would fully expect him to leave the club um, in the winter, no doubt about it. I don't know where he could go, uh, but... Uh, well, Manchester United have been linked with him. They, they sent scouts to watch him, uh, I think, in about last week or two weeks ago. Um, as we know, you know, clubs send scouts to many games, so that's not necessarily an indication that they're, you know, preparing a bid or anything like that. But you, you've mentioned you don't know where he could go. Is he, is he someone you think could maybe even hit Manchester United level at some point in his career? Or what's his ceiling for you? Uh, he's a young player, he's only 20. He's turning 21 soon. Um, what's his ceiling for you in that, from that point of view? What do you think about those rumours? Um, I believe that he could hit Premier League level, yeah, no doubt about it. I think um, the sky is the limit. I think uh, we could be looking at a very unique talent who uh, can go a long, long way in the game. And doesn't I've, that Man United scout? He's that bold-headed bloke, isn't he? I forget what his name is off the top of my head, but he seems to go to Budaglin games all the time, um, and he's spotted there. So you know, he's not just there to watch the opposition, is he? He's there to keep his, an eye on these uh, players. And uh, yeah, about how he's got it, I, I don't. I, I don't know where he's going to end up. It's a big decision for him because. <sighs> Wherever he goes, I think he needs to be involved in matches, you know, um, as well as getting good quality coaching to try and get take him to the, the next level uh, too. Um, in terms, of, you mentioned market values and stuff. This is honestly where I'm terrible with. I'm just I'm not very good at uh, like estimating a player's value and, and shit like that and whatever. You know, it always feels like these players go for much cheaper than they should do. If you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I mean his expected price tag according to Eurosport is. 20 to 25 million Norwegian crowns, uh, which is about what two million, I think, two million pounds. Huh? <laughs> so, 20 to 25 million. I thought you were going to say pounds for a minute. No, no, um, <laughs> you know, that that sounds probably a bit, bit, a bit of a decent bargain if it was to be signed for two million. I would have thought, yeah, this always happens. It feels like these players, even Bra Harland, only I think it was five million pounds that Salzburg got him for. And it was obvious how, how much of a cheap price that was. And um, it's the same here. Two million for Jens Patahorga. I mean, what is two... For, for, say, a Premier League club, it's nothing, is it? It's just a drop. That's like... A, they'd pay agents that much just for a player, or, or, you know. And so yeah. you can kind of take... It's a, it's a very low-risk move getting him in. And maybe you know, might even never play for your club. You know, loan him out and you can make profit on him. Easy. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been linked with Dutch and Belgian teams, and and just to um, add a name to the to that to that that bold headed guy in the words of Meat Man Soccer, uh, yeah, that's Tommy Muller Nielsen, who's a scout for Manchester United in in Scandinavia. He's been watching some of the Buda Glimp games in recent weeks, and that's where the rumours have come from. So yeah, Hauger definitely a player people are looking at. Uh, Left sided player, I think he is, and um, looks pretty good. Let's move on to another Glimp, Glimp talent, Patrick Berg. Yeah, I mean, uh, Berg is this defensive midfielder um, or central midfielder, sort of deeper role for Buda Glimton. A lot of people uh, reckon that he's sort of been their best player this season. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. He's probably the most important player in terms of the role he does to the team, though. And um, he's got, uh, you know, great intelligence, I think, and also technical ability. He's good on the ball. He can pass it. Uh, loads of uh, sort of different types of pass. Uh, variety there, uh, good vision. And, you know, this season he's chipped in with a few goals as well. Um, those have seen him on the long uh, free kicks. He has this nice little style where he just keeps it low, has a knack of finding it through the wall and very hard for the goalkeeper to save. So uh, he's added a few goals to his repertoire. 
uh, last season he was unfortunately injured, I think three months injured, which didn't help his cause. And I think um, he kind of went under the radar really heading into the season. Um, but he's been fantastic for them. Uh, he's, he's a bit older than Jens Pedahagen. He's 22, Berg, or, or nearly 22. 23. 23, yeah. So he's a bit older and... Um, yeah, sometimes you know players develop at different age, don't they? Um, I mean, Berg for me, how what sort of level he can reach, I'm not entirely sure. I don't think he's got as much natural ability as as sort of like against Peter Hager, but you know, mentally, physically as well, you could you know maybe beef off a bit, beef off a bit. But um, yeah, no doubt was a, a good talent there. Um, um, he, he works so well in the Budiglin system, but. Uh, yeah, he could probably go at the end of the season as, as well. I, I don't know. I think this whole team, you know, is, there could be offers in for them. It's a question of what, what the club want to let go, really. Yeah, actually, I'm wrong there. He's 22. Sorry. Uh, so that's my mistranslation of some Norwegian. Um, but uh, yeah, he will be 23 at the end of this year. Uh, and yeah, as you said, he's been linked with, with big clubs, maybe not um, as big as as big as maybe Jens Hauger in that sense, but uh, definitely one is being looked at. I find it just crazy how Buda don't have so many talented young players. You know, we had Asman Bjorkan on the podcast recently, but uh, yeah, it still staggers me just how they seem to have just come across this sort of golden era of talent that they, they've put together. Um, let's move on to another one. You, you've talked, I think Emil Bohunin will leave because he's uh, we've written about him on the Scout blog. So check out that and follow us on Twitter at Nordic Footpod um, for links to our Scout blogs, which come out regularly. I'm going to ask you about a, a diff- different player now. Um, we also talked about Aaron Donham. We've you've written about him in the past. Aaron Donham is a player at, uh, at uh, Wallerenga. He's linked with a lot of clubs in this in this upcoming window. Going to leave him. Uh, Philip Zinkanaga. We've talked about the Zink as well. Another Buda Glimp talent. Um, we may touch on him slightly, but I want to ask you about a player called Josh Kitalano. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, uh, odd player. Yeah, this. Um, I think the the best biggest strength of Kitalano. It's probably his physical. He's uh, got high energy and uh, good pace about him. You know, he uh, he's a very versatile player as well. I mean, I'm, on my uh, database spreadsheets that I use, I have him down a pr- a primary positions, secondary positions, tertiary positions for players. I have him at basically a primary position, all midfield and all wings. So he can play anywhere you want him to in midfield and attack, basically. Um, it, he's that versatile and he's still so young. The Kitalanos, um, there's a, a good family uh footballing history here. One of the lads, um, John Kitalano, went to Wolves. I think there's another one floating about somewhere as well, actually. There's a trio of them, but um, he's only 18 year old and he's become a regular star in the odd team this year. He's one of the main reasons that odd have been doing so well, actually. Um, because he's been that sort of driving force in midfield that you say he's so quick that he's hard to you know even if you get sort of a bit of skill on him he can track back very quickly and and make up for an error or something he he can get between both boxes very quickly Um, he's just a great all-round sort of player that can do a bit of absolutely everything at such a young age I think uh, that sort of thing can uh, can build you forward you know he's still working probably a little bit on sort of the mental side of his game like uh, vision and things like that decisions but that will come that no doubt that will come technically is is improving um but a very young energetic player that's worth watching out for in the middle of the park 
yeah, and his expected price tag is between one and maybe one point five million, according to Eurosport. And his contract actually ends at the end of next, well, next June. So maybe it's one that they may be looking for. Are other clubs who tend to sell the players, or you know, will they be wanting to tie him down? Yeah, they do sell players. Yeah, they uh, they don't usually keep hold of anyone decent for too long. Um, and I think sometimes it's actually been to the detriment of the players that have left them. I've seen I've seen many a good player, sort of young player, leave them probably too early, um, and they end up coming back to Norway or Scandinavian region. Um, unfortunately, it does happen quite a lot, doesn't it? But uh, they never really put up much of a fight about. Uh, you know, they don't want to st- step in the way of these development of these players. But I actually think it would do him good to stay in in the elite Serien for another, you know, for the end of this season and next season as well. Just give it another year. Why not? Just build up more match time out there. Be one of the the big dogs in your team, the best players in your team, and then and then you can move somewhere else. But knowing what odd are like, knowing what the market's like, probably someone buys him at the end of the season, and maybe he's loaned back somewhere in Scandinavia or something along those lines. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. And another player named in this blog, Holmbert Frid Jonsson of Arlesson, uh, bottom of the league side, but. Uh, He's been highlighted as a potential mover in this in this transfer window. What what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I've never really seen that much of him to be honest. Um, before this season, he's, he's much older. He's about twenty seven year old, I think. Icelandic player. Uh, I'm not sure how many caps he's got for his uh, nation. I'm fairly sure he's got at least uh, half a dozen uh, along those line, along those lines anyway. But uh, he. Uh, he has played uh, Arlesson since 2018. I mean, I don't watch the, much of the Obosl again, but he was obviously scoring goals down there. But this season, he's one of the highest scorers in the whole Elite Serien. Great physical target man, Jonathan, up there. A target man who's good with the ball at his feet as well. Uh, you know, he's not just... He can score goals in a lot of different ways. He's good in the air. He's uh, good, uh, you know, just obviously with the ball at his feet. He's powerful. He seems to get into some good positions. And um, like I say, uh, 27 year old now, maybe he's one of these late developers that's worth keeping an eye out. And because of his strong physical uh, ability, he can probably play in certain leagues that other players wouldn't be able to. You know, like he could, I could see him in, say, the Championship of England and doing a job for someone, that sort of level. Um, he wouldn't be out of place. He's not afraid to get stuck in, you know, he, he often put his head where it hurts, sort of thing. But. Uh, yeah. I like him. You know, he scored goals um, in loads of different ways. And uh, I've heard that he may even be leaving the club this window because he's been that impressive. Yeah, and he's been linked to uh, a lot of different clubs. He's out of contract at the end of this season. So he can actually sign a pre-contract, I believe, uh, anytime now. Links to Germany, Belgium and Italy, according to this blog. And, you know, the question is, does he stay to the end of the season or, you know, does he get snapped up maybe in this window? But that's one player to look out for, Arlesson, Holmbert, Fried Jonsson. Uh, we'll touch on one or two quickly before we wrap up this uh, section. Um, Adrian Pereira at Viking, any good? Yeah, I think he was in my 10 to watch at the start of the season, actually. I'd have to check back, but um, a good left-back who uh, I really like him, certainly from an attacking point of view. He gets forward nice, good technical player, good physical player. and uh, again, He was indeed, by the way. He is. Yeah. I thought he was, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure. Uh, he's only uh, 19, 20 years old, and uh, he's not just a left-back. He can play on the right-hand side as well, by the way. So, um, yeah, youngster who seems to just be developing. Um, he actually has been left out of the team a few times this season, but has now become more of a mainstay again. I think the manager was 
messing around really by starting someone else called Rolf uh, Vickstall ahead of him, which was a stupid decision. Um, but yeah, I've been uh, going on about this guy for a while. He's um, I could I hope he stays at the in the league for another eighteen months at least though. Yeah, funnily enough, there's quite a few of the players that you've got in your tent to watch here are in this list. Marcus Holmgren, Pedersen as well, at Moller, a right back who is uh, born in 2000. So we'll, we'll leave him. You can go and listen to the preseason show if you want to have more information on him. But that's another one that's been identified. So uh, maybe Eurosport are listening to your, to your tent to watch or who knows, vice versa. But a uh, couple more players, Steve, before we move on. Um, very quickly, Ismail Koulibaly at Salzburg. Will he be off in this, in this winter? In this window, I think when I think uh, anyone sort of who knows what they're doing in Norwegian football, it's not really a surprise. You know, we're all kind of on the same list, really. Ishmael Kulibali, um, I mean, he's he started the season out of the team. He's a he's a midfielder at Sarpsborg, uh, just to put it simply. There, who, who's I mean, he can also play other positions like anywhere, sort of left hand side, wings, even up front. Actually, he's a good phys- he's a good all round player, physical talent. Who um, who's got good on the ball? He's got power in him, um, drives forward nicely. I mean, this guy. I'll be honest, he wasn't on my radar uh, as early as he probably should have been. Uh, other people have highlighted him out a, bit, um, a lot earlier. If you look back, uh, I'll give a shout out to, to Ben Wells. Actually, I know uh, the Norwegian expert up there. He um, has raved about Kulibali for quite some time. And um, and right, rightly so. He's uh, come in uh, and made a massive difference since he became a regular starter this season. And yeah, I mean, he's not going to last long. I don't think if he he could move this window, certainly end of the season job, Sarpsborg. They're the sort of side they're never going to stand in the way of, of anyone either, really. Um, but uh, he's uh, he's made a big uh, impression quite quickly. And the final one, I mean, in terms of Ismail Koulibaly, born in 2000, it looks like, yeah, potentially moving to Belgium, there's been quite strong links. Um, so one to look out for in his coming window in this next month or so, can he stay in Norway or not? And the final one I'm going to ask you about, we're going to go back to Buda Glimp, just because I know you're very fond of this player and he's spoken, spoken about him a few times. So just let us know if you think he'll be sticking around for the rest of the season or not. And that is Mr. Zink himself, uh, Philip Zinkenagel. Yeah, he's got four months left on his contract. Um, honestly, I think he'll he'll stick around for the rest of the season and then probably leave for for nothing. He take his pick of the clubs, get win win the gold medal here, and maybe have a European adventure as well with Buda Glimt. That's what I would do if I was a player. Uh, but I'm sure Buda Glimt want to time down to a deal, don't they, and try and make some money out of him. They did sell Amor Unit at a similar stage last season, by the way. Um, but I don't think they're going to make. I don't think they're going to do that unless some ridiculous offer comes in. He's been the best player in the league this season. Uh, absolutely amazing player. He's top of like so many categories. It's crazy. Brilliant stuff. Thanks for that. So uh, anyone who's listening, of course, we'll, we 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 bring you players in focus every week on the show. We had two uh, in the last episode that you can go back and listen to. But for this week, it's a Norwegian special. So that is your player in focus for the week. And uh, yeah, there's plenty plenty there. Uh, and yeah, it's a really exciting time for people who like the Norwegian League because of so many talents like the ones just mentioned. Let's take a break now. And when we come back in part two, we'll be discussing the transfer window in Sweden, which is just slammed shut in the words of Jim White. And we'll talk about some of the latest results as well and what's going on in Olsvenskan. So join us after this short break. 
Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and uh, Jonathan Budukbe is with me as always. We are going to be talking about the Alsvenskan section um, from Sweden now. And uh, okay, well, 18 games have now been played there this season, Jonathan. We're um, certainly in that final third of the campaign. And uh, from the most recent round of, of fixtures, what, uh, what results have caught your eye? Yeah, hi guys, welcome back. Uh, well, I've been watching a couple of games in the last week or so, uh, catching up on some games I missed as well because it's been such a huge backlog. Um, but yeah, there was some really very sort of uh, eyebrow-raising games in the last week or so. Mm. Um, Audible, I think, beating Norshipping was a massive result, and, and and Varberg as well. There's a few teams who have really come into some form of late. Uh, Ostersunds as well are another one who, who have sort of suddenly just come out of nowhere and climb from sort of relegation to, to really comfortable mid-table with a good run of wins. Uh, and Varberg boys as well have got two on the bounce. Yeah, 2 nil win for Varberg against uh, Sirius. Um, I can't remember talking too much about them, actually, in any episodes this season, but they are a newly promoted side. And I, I think you uh, predicted them to be uh, quite down there, didn't you, uh, off the top of my head? I may be uh, incorrect there, but um, pre-season, I think... Uh, you weren't uh, having too many high hopes for them, but I think you've been quite impressed with what you've seen from Verberg recently, haven't you? What, what's so good about them? Yeah, I had them, I think, in the relegation playoff 14th, so they are definitely outperforming that that prediction at present. Uh, they're 10th. You know, they're not out of the woods yet. They're only se- they're seven points ahead of it, but, you know, that's really good at this stage of the season to, to be there. You'd rather be there than be where Helsingborg are, which is 14th as they are, or... EFK Jotterberg or AIK, which is, you know, six points behind Varberg for both of them. But yeah, Varberg boys, you know, we haven't really talked about them much this season. And uh, I caught their game against Odebro and, and uh, yeah, beating Sirius as well was a massive uh, upset, really, on the cards. You know, Sirius have been in really good form this season. They're up there, sort of, they were fifth. Uh, they're down to sixth now after a, a, a defeat. But um, I, I quite like what Varberg have been doing this season. So what sort of style do they play in and uh, which players in the squad have uh, been catching everyone's eye? Yeah, so, th- I mean, the first I think the first place to start is they've got a manager who looks the spitting image of Jurgen Klopp, by the way. Um, Joachim Persson is very, very... Um, <laughs> he's, he, he looks like sort of Klopp's brother or something like that. He's got the glasses, he's got the cap. Um, definitely, you know, I think he definitely models himself on him, maybe, you know, in terms of style. Uh, but um, they've got a a nice shape about them. They play in a sort of a 4-1-4-1 formation. They've got a lot of young players, quite a few South, South Africans, funnily enough. They tapped into that market. Uh, they've got player Luke LaRue and um, Keenan Ayer as well, who's from there, and, and a few others that are sort of eyebrow-raising. Tashweek Matthews, who came from Borussia Dortmund. And, you know, what I like about the way they play is, I think they, you know, they played against Audible and they, 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 I think they deserve to win that game, to be honest, in, in, in uh, the match day 17. Um, came from one goal down, uh, David Seeger, an early goal. And then John Burkfeld and Eunice Barney came back with a 76th and 84th minute to, to win that game. And then they followed it up, of course, with the, uh, the win against Sirius 2-0. But uh, yeah, they play in a, in a sort of 4-1-4-1 style. Um, Luke LaRue is a young player who sits in that midfield. Uh, they've got a striker in Astrid Seljmani who's been looked at by a lot of clubs. I think there's been links with Dutch clubs. He's a sort of versatile forward who, who you know, he's um, a little bit kind of like a, maybe I'm trying to think of a, a similar player, maybe a, um, 
who's the lad at Rosenberg? I've completely his name has completely lost me. Uh, it was at Austin's. I've completely lost my mind. Uh, yeah, but yeah, kind of a similar uh, sort of. You know, he reminds me a bit of Mitrovic or someone like that, Serge Mane. He's definitely one to look out for um, up front for Varberg. But I'll tell you what, Steve, there's one player who is pretty unexpected at this moment in time uh, who is running the show at Varberg, and that is Junas Barney. Now, he was at EFK Jotobog. He's, he's a bit of a veteran. So, you know, normally I like to talk about young talents, but this is a, this is a bit of an older talent. He's, he's, he's 30. Uh, EFK, he, he started the season at EFK and was kind of let go. There wasn't really an agreement on a new contract and he kind of walked out for free and went to Varberg Boys on a free transfer. And, um, you know, he's wearing the number 89 shirt. And I was really, really impressed with him at, at, at Varberg against uh, against Audubro. He, he's given a free role in the team. He basically, in that 4-1-4-1 system, he's got the license. He's got the sitting midfielder there in, in the defensive midfield and then the four across the midfield. But Barney is kind of allowed to play as an A mid, but can just drift around the pitch. He just goes wherever he wants. You know, he's not the most sort of physical player, but he's he's got a lovely touch about him. He's got a lovely sort of um, weight of pass and kind of his fleet of foot. But, you know, he's not, he's not incredible, but he's, he's quite lightweight, but, you know, kind of waspish the way he runs around the pitch. Um, he was on set pieces. He drifts into the right. He drifts to the left. You know, just basically imagine having a really good player in a park game and, and he just, a player you just everyone in the park just gives the ball to. Yeah. It's kind of like that. He got a goal and, and an assist. Mm-hmm. Um and it was really, it felt like a throwback, really, just watching one player who, who kind of runs around wherever he wants and just dominates. It's a bit like Raquel May almost. It reminded me of that kind of thing. Um, really, Barney's in real form. And then he, you know, he pull, pulled up in a similar performance against uh, Sirius and was instrumental in that game. And yeah, they've got a few other young talents. Adama Fafana is a left back who's doing very well. Uh, I mentioned Tashrik Matthews, quite lightweight, but uh, like I said, he was at Dortmund. He's 19. Uh, so they've got a few, few talents there to look out for Varberg. So, um, yeah, they're, they're looking good at the moment. And, you know, they've managed to climb, like I say, to sort of mid-table. And they'll hope to stay there. A 30-year-old talent to watch from uh, brought to you by JF. That's, that's prehistoric, isn't it, for <laughs> for, some, for your normal category? But Definitely. It's, uh, I've just looked up this uh, manager, Joachim uh, Pearson, and he is an absolute dead ringer for Klopp, isn't he? <laughs> he really is. He looks just like him. It's like, you know, stars in their eyes. Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Jurgen Klopp. It's uncanny. He's just a shorter version, basically, like sort of a Klopp's identical twin brother who's a foot, foot shorter. Just before we move on, this manager then, I mean, is he, I mean, the squad itself, is he working wonders here? Is punching well above their weight? I mean, he must be doing a lot of uh, good things. Yeah, I think he deserves some praise. I think they've they, their recruitment's been been quite good. Um, obviously, they came up. They were in. Ter- I mean, Weiberg are a team in terms of their their recent sort of backstory. They were a team in absolute crisis. They nearly went down to the third division the season before they got promoted. Uh, they were in total total chaos. Um, survived, I think, through the relegation playoffs, like just about through the skin of their teeth. Um, and then all of a sudden, the following season, they 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 got promoted, uh, kind of out of nowhere, in my opinion. You know, I didn't really see that coming. Uh, they had a bit of a clear out behind the scenes, I think, and obviously Pearson um, has turned things around for them. I think you know what I liked about them is that if they shape, like I say, I think they've 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 clocked upon a system that kind of works for them. They still lack in position, certain positions. You know, if, if I'm a manager and I'm playing against uh, against Varberg, I, I'm putting my uh, I'm putting all the pressure on their centre backs. You know, their centre backs and right backs, they're not the best playing the ball out. You know, from uh, from the back, 
that kind of thing. I think you can I think you can trouble them in those sort of areas. I think the only player who's really comfortable on the ball in that back four is is Adama Fafana, the left back, who's a young a young player. I think will will go on maybe and has potential to maybe um, attract bigger clubs in the future. Um, and like I say, players like Matthews, he's quite lightweight. He's only 19. You know, he's young. They're not an amazing squad by any any stretch of the imagination. But but what they do well is they've just got that setup of of, of start a style of play. Um, they can sort of go long to sell Marnie. He can hold the ball up. He's quite good at, at that. Um, and like I say, Barney's just like a kind of wild card for them. Um, it's a rare example of a player who just seemed to be sort of unwanted. I remember EF Core when he left. I just thought to myself, well, that's the end of him. You know, he didn't really fit into their system, to be honest. And it seemed like they just weren't that bothered about him. But um, yeah, like I say, he's he, he's sort of turned into a re- revelation for, for Varberg and, and, and is doing really well for them. So uh, yeah, I think um, Pearson deserves a lot of praise. But I think also some of the players who, who have come in, the likes of Barney, Luke LaRue as well, I think, is a young defensive midfielder who he, he looks to have a little bit about him there who, who could improve as well in, in years to come. So they've got a little bit, you know, a few talents there that could, could improve as well. Yeah, Varberg boys uh, side that uh, are on the up and uh, fair play to them. So uh, let's move on to the, the game of the round, really. I mean, there was a three-all draw involving uh, Hammerby, but uh, Urubro four, Norshipping uh, three. Uh, absolutely crazy affair, absolute humdinger. I know you had your eye on this game, uh, Jonathan, and uh, it kind of caught my eye with the hat-trick for Denis Hummet, ex troyen at uh, a stack in France actually but um a crazy game yeah well when you say humdinger you know i think you mean it literally there it was a hummet dinger uh dennis hummet yeah the youngster who we yeah i remember him at, uh, in french football as well you know he's a player who's always just been on the radar hasn't he? he's been at a lot of different clubs he's sort of moved around and he's rocked up at, at audible and what a debut um hat trick and to be honest he's turned them around completely in my opinion because Make no mistake about it. Without Dennis Hummett in that team, they lose that game four-one. Um, Audubon are one of the worst teams in the league in terms of uh, shots taken. Um, their metrics have been all over the place in terms of you know the, the ability to create shots, their ability to sort of uh, the touches in the box. I think is one of the lowest in the league. And what they've been really lacking is is that kind of player target man up front who can who can hold possession, hold the ball up, um, and just put the ball in the back of the net as well. Um, they've got Eric Biondal, who they signed, but he's not really, he's been okay, but I think he's been a bit isolated at times. And because he was signed from Super Etten, I think he's he's struggled to maybe just go into a, you know, a role where he's expected, so much is expected of him in, in attack. Um, but Hummet just came in and yeah, a brilliant hat-trick, to be honest. Some of the finishes were really instinctive and, and, and sort of clinical. Um, but it was a game of two just terrible defences, really. I think that's, you know, that... When I was watching, I was thinking of Jose Mourinho because, you know, you know, you know, like for a spectator, a game that is good is usually a game that a manager would tear his hair out, isn't it? It's completely, the, the tables are completely turned, isn't it? You know, um, what we think is entertaining is probably, <laughs> from a coach's point of view, a disaster, and and it really felt like that in that game because it was just two teams who just see, couldn't seem to defend anything. It was end to end. You know, there seemed to be no midfield, and it seemed to be just you you hit it towards us, we'll hit it towards you, and. You know, goals going in at, at both ends. North Shopping have really tanked it. And, um, you know, I think the big story and the big takeaway is that, that that's North Shopping done for the title this season. You know, so much hopes in the early part of the season of maybe winning the league. They had that long unbeaten run, but 
I think it's all over for them now from that point of view. And that was the takeaway, really. But Hummer as well, fantastic debut. Yeah, I mean, he's been around the block, like we've said. Um, <clears throat> he had he scored 12 goals in 28 appearances in the Superette and for Geffley in 2017. And then he's sort of been this... He's got minutes in the Alsvenskan for the likes of Trelleborg, Elsborg, but he's never been a prolific scorer. I believe this is a lone move from Elsborg to... to uh, Hit at Urubro. I mean, what a debut. I mean, Elsberg, what are they thinking letting him go? I mean, I guess he wasn't doing the business for them. But uh, have they kind of let go a good talent here? Yeah, and I was surprised to see that he's only 23, actually. Um, and, and I think you're, you're spot on there. Um, Steve, you know, you mentioned uh, Toa, who were about to be signed, but bought, signed by Manchester City. About to become another Manchester City feeder club, Toa. But um, yeah, he's been around the block, Homer, and... Um, I think he's one of those players who could eventually come good, actually. I think he needs to find a home. And you're right, he's, he's gone to a lot of sort of newly promoted sides and, and sort of teams who, who yeah, like you said, Geffley and though, you know, he's been around the block and uh, he went to Elsborg, which I found a bit of a surprise. Hasn't really established himself there. And I think Udebro could be, could be, end up being the perfect fit for him. You know, um, I think he's still young enough to improve. So m maybe there is a bit of talent in there somewhere. Every time I've watched him, I've, I felt he's a little bit erratic, a little bit inconsistent. Um, but this, he really looked a different player in this game. And, um, you know, the glimpses that I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen as well from time to time, it just all seemed to come together in this game. And, and you know, maybe it's the first of many, because I think he will be their starting player. I think he will become their first choice striker, uh, the way things are going. So it's a real opportunity for him to sort of establish himself maybe at 23 and, and, and you know, make his mark professionally on, on, on the professional game. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, in terms of Odebro, they, they've had a lot of issues of late. And, um, you know, I've been looking at them quite closely in, in recent weeks. Uh, had a defeat to Falkenberg, which was really disappointing. And I think they, they've, they've been lacking in certain areas, but uh, it was a real boost for them, having uh, been on a bit of a poor run before that. Yeah, I mean, where do you see them finishing Odebro? Because they seem a wildly inconsistent sort of side. Like, you just don't know what you're going to get next from them, do you? They're like a bag of licorice all sorts it seems um but i mean obviously that was a massive result for them um, i mean have they got enough to, to to survive relegation this season do you think i think they will survive um but yeah i mean just some key stats on that on them steve i mean they're but they were going into that weekend's game before the north shopping match they were bottom of the svenskan for expected goals against so you know their xga is really that you know they're expected to concede a lot more goals than they are conceding uh, the third, they were third bottom of the table for number of shots per ninety minutes. Um, you know, so that you know, not, man not managing a huge amount of shots per ninety. Uh, third of the bottom for touches in the penalty area. Joint third fewest goals scored with only sixteen going into the weekend. Now they've put four past in one match, so that's a quarter of their goals in one game um, at the weekend. So, whom it really has, like like I say, it's transformed them almost in one in one match. Obviously, it's early days. But uh, they, they really needed that win. And I think, like I say, I think what they lack is because they, they play that 4-4-2 star. They got, I think they've got issues in transitions um, and, and playing the ball out from the back. Sometimes they have issues. But I think what, one thing they really lacked was that, like I say, a target man who can sort of hold the ball up, bring others into play and get on the end of crosses because they do look to cross it a lot. Um, so and, and just get on the end of passes from the likes of Nordin Gerzic and, and Nahia Basara. Uh, Hummet can potentially offer that. And they have also dipped into the window in other areas. They bought Romain Gaul, uh, who's had a bit of an unsuccessful time at Starbuck, hasn't he? Uh, he's come back to Osvenskan now and gone to Audubon on loan. 
Um, he'll look to pick up some form. And they've brought a few other players as well in this window. The transfer window has to shut in Sweden. So um, they've brought in three or four names. And Hummert's going to be one that I think will help them. And yeah, I think, I think they'll end up about mid-table, maybe 10th. So those four goals uh, actually uh, turned over were the joint lowest score in their side in the league. But those four goals have moved up the table in that regard. Now the lowest scoring side is AIK. Just 16 goals in 18 games. And, and they did pick up a, a win, didn't they? 2-0 against Helsingborg. But um, they're hovering just above the relegation zone. What's going on at that club? I mean, how has the, the new manager settled in? I mean, just it seems like they, they desperately need goals. Yeah, well, Bartos Grizz, like the new manager, he's got one win in seven so far. Uh, so it's not going really amazingly well, to be honest, in terms of what they might expect. Uh, I've got a big Y Scout blog coming this month about them. So keep an eye out for that. Hopefully it should be published in the coming days, maybe by the time you listen to this or, or you know, that week it will be out. But uh, they've done a real deep dive. They could seriously be in relegation trouble. And nothing has changed since that, since I said that. This window's open, they've signed some players, but it's not by any stretch of the imagination out of question that they could, could go down. I think they're just lucky that there's Kalmar having a terrible season and also Falkenberg there who, you know, I think they'll go down. Um, and then you've got Helsingborg as well having a really bad season. So if it wasn't for those three terrible teams, AIK and EFC could be in real trouble. AIK are just one of those teams, they, they, their, their shape and balance is just all wrong. Um, I watched the Elfsborg game. They're just, you know, I wonder, and I touched on this in, in the Wisecat blog, I won't, I won't give too much away, but I, I wonder if it really made sense getting rid of Ricard Norling, but just from the point of view of, I think they're now trapped between two, the trap between a rock and a hard place. They're trapped between this whole new system that they wanted to play, and then they've abandoned it and they've gone back to their old system. And I think they're caught in, they're, they're stuck in between two of them. Um, the Elfsborg game is a great example of that. They, they've got, They've got a high line, a ridiculously high line. Um, they've got defenders who aren't that quick, centre-backs who aren't that quick. But then they've got no pressure on the ball. They, they, they are one of the best teams at pressing in the league. But, but in this game in particular, they had no real pressing from the front. The midfield is still just a chasm of space. Um, and, you know, the, the, the wing-backs push up so high that there's massive corridors either side of their centre-backs. It's just all not working for them at the moment. And, um, and, and and the biggest thing about it, like you say, they're not scoring goals. They're, they're not creating enough chances to score. And when they do create chances, they're, they're not taking them. So Hacken beat them at the weekend. And they've got some, in their 12 remaining games, they've got some big matches as well. So, you know, I think they'll just about be all right. But they really do need to be careful there, okay? Because they're only three points above it. They last went down in 2004. And who knows, you know, it's not completely out of the question that they could go down again. The next two games are serious away, Malmo away, and then they've got Hammerby at home. Um, you know, they lose those three and you're really, you're really looking up against it. It's, it a lot of it depends, can Kalmar and Helsingborg pick up form? Um, because they may just get, get away with it because those two teams are so bad. But um, yeah, tough times for AIK. Well, Kalmar, it feels like they've been on this tightrope for years like threatening to get in this bottom three and they always survive by the skin of their teeth or whatever or they just about do enough but it seems like they are very poor this year but um they signed a uh, a brazilian i do believe jonathan and um they, they do have a habit of getting these sort of exotic random transfers um 
in them the last few seasons and, and not much has changed. Yeah, well, I don't know if you're a fan of walnuts, Steve. I do. I like I like nuts. Yeah, you might be a fan of walnuts. You know, I know some people are fans of sort of um, macadamia nuts, maybe. Camera are certainly fans of Brazil nuts, that's for sure, because uh, every six months, it seems, they, they, they wheel in a player from Brazil out of nowhere. The latest player to come in is Jajar. He's come back, actually, because he played for Calma before in, 20, in 2018, I think it was. I actually laugh when I see Calma sign Brazilians now because I just don't know. I don't know who it is who's bringing in these random Brazilians because, you know, I can remember they signed someone called Rooney. They signed someone called, you know, I've laughed about it before in this podcast, but it, <laughs> the Brazilian, the, the train from Brazil to Calma must be, must be a regular one because, uh, yeah, they've brought in Jajar to try and rescue them um, he, he's come in Jar Jar Binks he's come in and said I had a really good time <laughs> my first time at Kalma <laughs> during which he t- during which time he made three appearances by the way but he's come back and said I had a really good time and now I'm looking forward to coming back and uh, I'm happy to be given this opportunity so they've gone and picked him up his last club was Flamengo he's 25 eight international games uh, for the Brazil under 20 team but like I say, just another completely random Brazilian. They only gave him three games last time. He signed a short-term contract. Is he the man to the rescue, Kalmar? We shall see. But one thing's for sure, there's almost a 98.5% chance they'll sign another Brazilian, whatever happens uh, this time in about three months. Well, the problem is by then, they might be in the Super Retin. And, uh, I mean, they've, they've actually picked up a good draw there away at Hammerby at the week, a late uh, equaliser. But... Um, and you know, to be fair, Falkenberg, although their form is dire, they're only what three points off the, the, the playoff spot, so it's all to play for down there. I mean, a couple of giant clubs, Icor and, and IFK Jotterborg, struggling. It's going to be a really intriguing relegation battle, I must say, this season, Jonathan. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, if Helsingborg can pick up form, then I think uh, AIK and EFC are going to have things to worry about. The transfer window has changed some things because both, both of them have signed players, AIK made four signings. Uh, EF Corps have brought some of their old players back. Uh, Sebastian, um, Sebastian Olsen thinks come back. Pontus Vernbloom has come back. So um, there are some signings there that could maybe rescue them. But uh, yeah, they they're up against it, and they're starting to you know maybe run out of games. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's certainly not a done deal. That's for sure. EF Corps have got Hammerby this weekend, uh, and serious AIK. Like I say, is going to be a big one. Okay, let's talk a bit about the transfer window, which is shut now in Sweden. Uh, some uh, players that have exited the league, and uh, I did promise uh, someone that we would uh, have a, a bit of a chat about Fuid uh, Bacheru, who has uh, moved to Nottingham Forest from uh, from Malmo. And I know we've we've talked about him on this podcast before, but uh, just your thoughts on this uh, this move. I think it's a really good move for all parties. I'm re- I'm really happy for him. I think Fuad Bachiru deserves a, a, a big move. At, at 30 years old, you're not going to get too many more big moves in your career. So I think um, for him, I'm delighted. I think by all accounts, he's a really nice guy, just a really good person to have around in the dressing room and a, a sort of really dedicated player. You know, he's played at Greenock Morton in Scotland in the past. And I think, you know, he was he was part of the Osterson side, of course, that, that did so well in the Europa League under, under Graham Potter. Um, got his big move to Malmo after that and has, has been there and I think he's been really, really good at, at Malmo. Um, he's a ball-winning ball sort of midfielder. He, he, he makes recoveries, he makes counter-pressing recoveries. Um, good passer of the ball, you know what I mean? He, he gets, gets himself about. People have called him the sort of 
or Svenskan Kante type thing. I'm not entirely sure he's as similar player. I think he's a little bit more um, physically robust, maybe not quite as uh, not quite as maybe dynamic, maybe as as as, as Kante, but 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 a sort of similar. He's got that kind of almost a sort of a boxers type build in, in a sense, like a sort of a middleweight boxer or something. He's got you know quite a stocky build about him. Um, yeah, I think Forest fans seem to be really happy about it. And uh, the question for Malmo, I mean Malmo. Have move Levicki into midfield so they might not even miss him too much they're really cruising at the moment in, in, in the league and doing really well it looks like they're almost nailed on to win the title now um so I think for all parties it's, it's a good move my, my big question probably would be can he just make that step up to the physicality of the championship because it is a different ball game I, I think there's 46 games in a COVID season where you're going to be playing a lot of matches I think that's my one question mark can he can he just thrive um, I think he can handle it, but can he thrive and, and really stand out in the championship? That's that's the question. I'll be keeping a close eye on it because, like I say, from what I hear, he's a lovely guy. Yeah, good luck to him. And uh, it be interesting to see if he can uh, step up there to the championship. Um, I just want to touch on Roman Gaul. We, we briefly mentioned it. Uh, things just did not work out at Starbeck. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, I can't put my finger on it. Uh, I'm starting to think that maybe Gaul is perhaps a bit of a bad egg, if you know what I mean. Uh, certainly, uh whether it's off the field, whether there's something in training that's not working out, but he just can't settle anywhere, it doesn't seem, and, uh, at the moment. But, uh, I mean, good luck to him at Urubro, I and mean, maybe him and, and Humek can sort of, uh, maybe they've got a chip on the shoulder that uh, they can make something uh, out of it, you know. But uh, and some other players, I just want to talk about Chiartensen, who has uh, moved to, uh, to Volorenga. And, uh, I mean, Obviously, he played for Volowinga before. I think it's 2014. He had a hell of a year there. He scored nearly 30 goals. I mean, he was last seen in Scandinavia at Hammerby, where he he, he was doing the business, wasn't he, Jonathan? What were your, your thoughts of him last season there? Well, it nearly caused a diplomatic incident, uh, his his transfer, because uh, Hammerby fans were absolutely furious about it. You know, he was close to rejoining Hammerby, and uh, it didn't go through, and... Uh, you know, for anyone who follows us on Twitter at Nordic Football, we, we did tweet a video because it was one of the most bizarre press conference unveilings I think I've ever seen, um, where a journalist started reading out questions to Kiartensen from tweets that have been made by angry Hammerby fans, um, upset that he ditched them at the last minute to, to, to go back to, to Valorenga. Um, I mean, you need to see this video because it, it, it's bizarre. They they ask him all kinds of questions. Some of them can't really repeat on this show. You know, it's a family show. And they were really like basically reading out loads of insults from Twitter to the player and asking him what he thinks about it. Um, and he looked completely baffled. Yeah, Kiartensen is a good player. He's got a very good, you know, track record in in, uh, in Scandinavian football in general. Uh, I think that's why Hammerby fans wanted him back. They, 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 they needed a player like him. They wanted him to return and... They're obviously very disappointed that he he, he sort of um gazumped them last minute and you know turned up at at VIF. So yes, it's a disappointing one for them, but I think Valerenga probably will be um will be quite happy. Yeah, very happy. I think he should go very well there actually. But just the sort of unit they need up front to be scoring more goals regularly. And uh, another transfer we've got to talk about, Mikkel Lustig. Um a man who's actually got eighty two Swedish caps, ex Celtic, Rosenborg. Um, let's turn about AEK. Um, he had a spell in Belgium with Ghent. Who hasn't had a spell in Belgium um, from these uh, 
big clubs. But um, yeah, he's a uh, 33-year-old, and we actually got a uh, tweet uh, from Charlotte uh, Patterson, one of our uh, uh, patrons. Thank you very much uh, again to all our patrons. I must uh, just uh, make that point. But um, yeah, I mean, is he going to be the man to solve the defensive problems that uh, Akai's defence, she uh, she says? Um, what do you think to that, uh, that one, John? Well, he's an experienced player, like you've said. You know, very, very experienced. He's, you know, obviously was at Celtic as well, and um, I think they need something in that defence because I think I think Granley and Mets have, have had bad seasons. If I'm honest, I think they've had poor seasons. I think it's fair to say that. Um, and just as they're, they're so exposed, so it's partly maybe it's not their fault, but th- that back three is just it's all over the place. They've also signed Soterius Papadopoulos, who was at Ostersunds. He's come in as well, who who may, you know, may be able to help that defence as well. Um, so, I think Lustig's experience. My, my worry about them is, is at his age, if they continue to play the shape they play and leave so much space at the back and down the sides, they're going to be so easy to play against. You know, that high line, you don't, you you need pacey defenders to to really play that high line if you're not pressing. So, um, I think from an organisational point of view, they do need him. They've have in recent weeks gone to a more experienced team they play they had one of the youngest teams in Osvenskan in the early part of the season with the likes of Robin Tihi and Paulos Abraham and Tom Stranigard those those young talents uh teenagers they've they've recently started playing now more experienced heads and a lot of their signings are experienced Rogic uh Papagenopoulos of course Lustig now he's 33 isn't he so they're looking at more experienced players to try and get them over the line for this season it's a complete change in philosophy um and Jury's out because he's he's obviously a little bit old, but he like I say he'll bring that experience, that know-how, and and hopefully for AIK he'll just be able to help organise that really leaky defence. Yeah, I'm just having a look at a few of the questions that came in uh, to the pod uh, this week. Uh, David Weatherston, thank you very much for this uh, question about Mulder directed at me. Mulder are missing chance after chance every week. What is going on there? They just aren't clear enough, and it's cost them any chance of the league. Or what is going on there? I should have probably put this in the Norwegian section, but basically, um, I think a combination of too many injuries, and they're just, there's no uh, cohesion in the team. That the rotation hasn't worked this season. Um, that mould it was fun. Erling Mood did a fantastic job in 2019, um, rotating between the league and the European matches they had. Um, it was just everything was hunky dory. Like whatever team he put out, it seemed to work. But and that actually is a very hard skill. And fair play to him for what he did last season deserves a lot of praise. But it it just shows you how hard it is because he hasn't been able to manage it this time. It's like, it feels like um, the players just don't know who they're playing with. Sometimes I mean, the, there's been penalty misses, and it from everyone it feels like Uyi last season, Lucky James this year. And um, I think there's a last, there's a lack of cohesion, understanding, organisation, and injuries have, have cost them badly. So I think that's what's going on at Molder, David. Um, that's my personal opinion with them. They'll rebound, um, whether it be sort of back end of this season or next. But um, it, it's very difficult when it's like there's no consistent eleven at all, and I think that that is the big, big problem this year. Yeah, and thank you to Jurgen Hornholm for your question. Thank you to Pasit Akarapong Pisagti. I hope I've pronounced that correctly for your question. Uh, Jake Adkin Sport as well for your question on Fuid Bachiru. And of course, Charlotte Patterson, who um, is a patron. So thank you guys. I think we've pretty much covered all we're going to cover on this week's show. 
we've got some more episodes coming soon. So if there's any team you haven't, you know, you, you, we haven't touched on that you want us to focus on in the coming weeks, drop us a tweet on Twitter at NordicFootPod or um, follow us on Facebook or on patreon.com slash NordicFootballPodcast. We've got European games to preview coming. And we've also got, you know, we're in the, heading towards the last third of the season now, aren't we? Last section of the season. Can Buda Glimp win the title? Can they wrap it up unbeaten? You know, can can Malmo see see off the job? Will AIK or EF Corp go down? Uh, who's going to make it through those Europa League qualifiers? There's all kinds of questions to ask, and we'll be t- talking about them in the weeks to come on Nordic Football Podcast. So uh, follow me on Twitter at JF Football F U T B O L. Uh, follow Steve Wiss at Meatman Soccer on Twitter as well for more opinions as the week goes by. But for now, I think we're pretty much done, aren't we, Steve, for this episode? Yeah, that's it. Um, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Appreciate it. Keep the questions coming in, keeping um, the interactions with us on Twitter and stuff. But uh, yeah, from this edition, it's goodbye from me. Yeah, and before I say bye, actually, thank you to everyone who follows us, by the way, because we we smashed the uh, 2,000 followers mark now on Twitter. So a bit of a bit of a milestone, wasn't it, Steve? I've, I had a little cheeky beer to celebrate. I don't know about you. Yeah, uh, cheeky steak, you know, to, uh, <laughs> as you do. Yeah, but it's, it shows the sign of growth, and I think, you know, it's, it's decent. So thank you to everyone who's followed us in, in, in recent weeks, and I hope uh, you are enjoying it, and we will continue to bring you more content as the weeks go by. Yeah, well, take care, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll see you very soon for the next episode. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>